Okay, so let me take you to some scripture because I think I, I really feel like I need to show you that, that this was part of the life of Christ also because when I tell you what my subject is this morning, I think some of you are going to say, really? A sermon on that? Let me show you something, okay? This is in the book of Matthew uh, in, in chapters 12 through 15, just some selected verses, and this is all right there, 12, 13, 14, 15, right here together. I want you to see if you see a pattern with me, okay? Uh, but the Pharisees went out, and, and when you go to Sunday's page, you'll see the exact verses. You can go, it'll link you to them. You can see this. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. Okay, so that one is kind of all of it wrapped together. There is, there's something going on here. You're going to see the pattern repeating itself, okay? You skip down a few verses, and it says, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Anybody like to just sit by the lake or something like that, you know, wherever your place is and just, just sit and relax? That's what Jesus did. Jesus went out to sit by the lake in such loud... Uh, large crowds f gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables. Uh, then he left the crowd and he went into the house. So now, you know, the crowd's outside, so he goes back in the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And uh, then word gets to Jesus while he's telling the disciples this, or sometime real shortly after that, that John the Baptist has been beheaded. You remember John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, saying, hey, God is sending, is sending his son, sending his servant. And uh, so John the Baptist is beheaded. And when this happens, when Jesus hears uh, that word, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now look at, look at all those words right there. Withdrew privately, solitary place. And uh, hearing that Jesus had gone off to a place all by himself, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Are you getting the picture here? Are you getting this, this pattern that keeps going on? One, one more uh, slide with uh, scriptures on it. And, oh, and, and this, this crowd also was the crowd that Jesus ended up feeding. The 5,000 families that had fed with the little boy's lunch. You remember? So he, he does that, and immediately after that, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake and while, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed the crowd, Jesus went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When they, now Jesus then ends up joining the, the disciples on their way to the other side of the lake. When, uh, this is when he actually walks on the water, if you remember that miracle. And so when he and the disciples crossed over the other, to get to the other side of the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized who Jesus was, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Then Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So now does he get some rest? No, because uh, what happens next is that story that David told us about a couple of weeks ago. You remember the lady that came to Jesus and said, my daughter, she's got a, an evil spirit, and, and Jesus ignored her, and then she, then she went to the disciples. The disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, she, this lady's bugging us to death. Do something about this. And, and Jesus says, I can't give you the food that was meant for the... Remember that story? That happened right after. So she's bugging him to death again. Do you see this pattern? I mean, here's, here's what I want you to see is that Jesus is teaching us that we sometimes need some margin in our life. We need some space. You know, we, we don't, Jesus, I mean, he, he's God, but even, even God, is, he's showing us. He, he tried to get it for him and the disciples. And every time he would withdraw, 
people find out where he was and they ran up to him. You know, they, they gathered around him. And then he, he went to the lake, they, they got around him, so he went back in the house and they gathered around him. He went across the lake and they gathered around him. He went to Tyre and Sidon and they gathered around him. But he kept trying to get, you know, I, I've heard people talk about it say, you know, even Jesus would take his disciples off for a little while as if he did that once or twice. But you see in these chapters, it was over and over and over. It was a constant battle for margin. Now, not too long ago, I was talking to some millennials. Y'all know what millennials are? If you don't know what they are, you're probably not one. Uh, but it, I was talking to some millennials, and, and it became real obvious to me they had no idea what margin was. When I said to them, you guys need to really work on some margin in your life, they had no idea what, they didn't, margin? Mar, what, what are you talking about, margin? So I thought, you know, Okay, I've got to find a place that I can share with this generation what margin is. And then uh, over time, and it's been a while ago, but over time God kept, kept dealing with me that, no, this is a message all my children need to hear because, yeah, there's a lot of you my age. There's some of you workaholics my age and older that you need to hear this message also. God wants you, God wants you to have some space. And he wants you to have some rest. So let's talk about margin this morning. Here's what margin is. My definition, I didn't coin this necessarily, but I got it somewhere a long time ago. The difference between capacity and load. You know, like you got a pickup truck, it's got a capacity, and then you got to decide how much to load it. And if you load it to capacity, there is no margin. Now, you may load that truck to capacity at times, but if you're, you know, if you're going a long distance, or if you've got something other else going on, maybe you're going down the interstate or you're going through a lot of traffic around turns, you're probably going to maybe not load it all the way to capacity, but leave yourself, what, a little margin? That's what that means. It's like, I mean, when you, when you think of the word margin, what do you think of? Paper? Is it up there? There it is. <laughs> you think of paper, right? In, in school, when you had paper, or maybe your mom gave you paper to take to school, did it didn't it have margin, you know? At the top there was margin, at the bottom was margin. And your teacher taught you not to write all, the, you know, don't start way over here, but leave the margin. Had someone after, after uh, uh, the first service, they, they, they came to me, they were talking to me, they said they, they spent a lot of years in typesetting. And they said one of the things that makes type readable is you have to have white space. I thought, wow, that's awesome. I wish that I'd have known that before. You know, that's a, that's a great thought. Just think about it. If you don't have white space like that, I mean, we're filling up the white space. If you don't have it, it makes it hard hard to read. When you fill up the margins, it's like that piece of paper is hard to even use as notes, you know, because it's so full, because the, there is no margin. It, it, it's like a calendar, you know. Does this calendar look like anybody's out here today, you know? And maybe you're not the one filling it up like that. Maybe it's everybody else in your life, you know. The kids have got this on this day, this on this day. The, you know, I got to take them over here, then I got to take them over there. You know, my spouse needs this. I got to go pick up this. I got to go do that. You know, oh, my parents need this, or my kids, or my brother, or whoever. My boss is asking me, you know, I got to go do this for him, you know, on the weekend or whatever. And, you know, and then pastor calls, and he wants something. And, you know, it may not be you. Maybe everybody else saw a cartoon a long time ago, a little, little one, little one uh, panel cartoon. It, it was this pastor, and he was standing looking at his calendar on the wall, and it was full. And his wife was trying to be encouraging. She was standing behind him. She said, God loves you, and everybody has a wonderful plan for your life. And I thought, yeah, that, that sounds a lot like my life, is everybody's got a wonderful plan for what I need to do today. And for you workaholics out there, I know you look at that calendar, and it's got, you know, on the Monday, 
Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And you're thinking, I got to fill that with something. You know, every one of those spots has got, you know, that's my day. This is, I got to get something done every single moment of the day, 7, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., you know, eventually whatever time, you know, maybe finally bedtime, you know, and we feel like we got to fill those up. Or maybe some of you, you've got a, you've got a day planner or something or an app that maybe it's broken down into 15 minutes and you're filling all those in too. Can I tell you something? That's not God's intention. You know how many hours there are in a year? Any, any guess? Go ahead and guess inside for just a moment, you know. Now, how many hours there are in a year? 8,765. Now that sounds like a lot until you really think about it. When I think about how fast an hour goes by these days, 8,765 hours aren't enough for what I've got to get done this year, you know, in a year. And, so, and you know what? A lot of those, I'm sleeping. You know, it's, I'm not being productive. You know, I'm asleep. You know, so I got to squeeze everything I can. That's the way we look at it. But God did not give you 8,765 hours every year so that you could fill them all up and you run to the edge and run to the edge and run to the edge. He didn't do that. God wants you to have some rest uh, or like your budget. You know, like, like our budget, you know what a budget is? I know there, there's a lot of people who don't even know what a budget is. A budget is when you, you, you take the very top figure is how much money you make, you know, uh, and this one is an annual, you know, so that's uh, not somebody making $30,000 a month. You know, normally you do a monthly budget and then you, then you list all of your expenses, you know, and, and then you see if there's, you know, what the margin is at the bottom. Let me tell you, if it's red at the bottom, there's no margin. You went over, okay? And if it's red at the bottom, that means you're going in the hole every single month or year, you know? And so that means you need to do something about it. You need to fix that. You can't keep doing that. You know, because if you don't have any margin, what are you going to do? You're going to blow out a tire tomorrow and you got to go buy a new tire. Let me tell you this. If you blow out a tire tomorrow and you have to use a credit card to buy a new tire, then you don't have any margin financially. You've got to have some margin. What are you going to do when, you know, when the kids got to go to the doctor and, and they've got to have, you know, got to have at least the copay? You know, what are you going to do? You chip a tooth. You got to have a new cap. What are you going to do with that? You have to have some margin. And God wants you to have margin. Okay. I mean, not just in your time. Jesus was showing us that and that, but not just in that, but in all these other areas as well. Uh, one more, and there, there's not a, really a slide, just blank for this, but one, one more is this area is, is moral margin. We need moral margin. You see, I believe margin is something that every Christian needs to have in their life. I believe you cannot be the Christian that God intends you to be without margin in your, in your time, in your finances, in your, um, also in you know, just your personal space. We'll talk about it in just a few moments, but also in morality. You know, there, I don't know if y'all noticed, but I, I stand with my toes sticking off the, the, the stage a whole lot. Probably scares some of our nurses and whatever to death. But I, I don't know. It, it's like I can feel it, you know? And so, you know, so I know where I'm at. You know, I don't have to look down. I can feel it. But sometimes, you know what? I almost go over. I hope y'all don't see that and y'all don't know, you know? And I try to just recover and act like I'm cool and everything. But I, I almost do. But you know what? I, I remember a long time ago, back when I was a kid, and my mom had a singing group, and I remember we, we'd go around different churches. And, you know, I grew up in a time where every Everybody had a singing group. You know, you didn't ask almost, did you have a singing group? Just where'd you sing last week or whatever? You know, and I, I was too young. I, I eventually played, played with them some, but I was too young. This was, this was when I was really small. We went to a church and they had a banner across the top of, uh, you know, and you, you know, where you would have like a scripture or something, but there said, it's hard to fall in the ditch from the middle of the road. And I have remembered that so much. You know what? It's easy to fall off the stage right here. But if I step back here, I got I to almost work to fall off the stage from here, you know? 
I mean, I got, I got to really be a klutz to fall off. It's hard to fall off the stage when you've got margin. And morally speaking, you know, a lot of us, if we fall into sin, we don't fall into sin because we've got too much. We get fall into sin normally because we don't have enough margin. We need to build some margin in our, in our lives again. So let, let me whet your appetite for this just a little bit more if I can. Because lives without margin are lives full of stress. Because there is peace in margin. Okay, now this is going to be enlightening for some of you that have no idea what margin is. I want you to really listen to this, okay? That when you have time margin, you aren't always frazzled. You know, you were running around, I gotta get this done, gotta get that done, all this, gotta get everything done. You know, when you have time margin, you're not running around like that because you've gotten everything done and you got a little time left over for the emergency or the thing that you didn't plan for that happened and now I can get that done because I've got time margin. When you have a financial margin, you're ready for the unexpected. If the tire blows out tomorrow, you've got an extra hundred bucks that you can go buy that tire. You're not worried. Oh no, something's gonna happen. I mean, some people live this way. Something's gonna happen this week and I do not have the money for it. You know, sometimes that happens to all of us, but if that's happening to you very regularly, then you don't have enough margin. And you need to get financial margin so you can have peace. God intended for you to have peace. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep hammering that, that God intends this for you. And when you have moral margin, you don't have to worry that an indiscretion will be found out. You know, like, like if, if you're someone who believes, here's, here's what you know, some people believe. Like we, we, this, is, this is what I can do. This is my capacity. You know, but I, I need to back off from my capacity and not fill it all up. But here's what a lot of people, well, you know, you know a little flirting isn't bad. A little flirting is Okay. You know, you know what? I have not yet asked Deva how much flirting I can do with other women. Because I've got a pretty good idea. I don't need to ask the question. You know what? You can't fall in the ditch. There is never, probably ever, I, there's never been an affair happen that didn't also involve some flirting. So you need to just build some margin right there, and you'll be protecting yourself from some of those things. You know, when, you know, you know and some people think, well, little, little white lies, those don't really matter. You know, here's the problem. It doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter if they're little white ones or big gollywhoppers. It doesn't matter how, what kind of lies you're telling. Because when you tell lies, you know what? Now no longer do you just have to remember the facts. You've also got to remember the story you told somebody. And then, you know, maybe you told a different story to somebody else. And now you got to remember all those things. You got to keep up and hope these people don't talk sometime this week, right? You got to remember all this stuff. And so, you know, you're always on pins and needles that somebody's going to learn something about you. But when you have moral margin, you don't worry about indiscretions being found out because that's not where I live. I don't live on the edge falling over. Did I hurt their feet? Did I say something out of the way? I don't get anywhere near saying something out of the way. Did I make that person feel, un- I don't get anywhere near making that person feel uncomfortable with the joke I told. I don't ever tell those kinds of jokes. I don't watch those kinds of movies. I don't do those kinds, I don't go those kinds of places. And so when you, have mar- when you have margin like that, you have a freedom that I don't, I don't have to live worried that the other shoe's gonna drop because there's not a shoe to drop. When you live with that kind of moral uh, margin, there is peace. 
And, and all when you have margin, there's peace. Oh, and so I just dare you this morning. Go, go get some peace. Let me go on to what, oh, I think I'm gonna talk to you about, yeah, without time. Okay, so let's talk about what happens when you don't have margin. Without time margin, you don't have creativity. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, I got the coolest idea the other day in the shower? You ever heard anybody say that? Or has that ever happened to you? And, or maybe you just told people, I got the coolest idea, and you didn't tell them it was in the shower because you were embarrassed to say that. Do you know why you get good ideas in the shower and maybe not other times? Because you are alone. Because the cell phone is not, you know, notifying you that you just got a Facebook post from somebody who needs an egg or something in their farm somewhere, right? Because... Donald and Hillary, you know, they're not in your shower with you, bombarding you with their pundits about why they're going to be the best uh, president in the next election because you don't have, because you're alone. You know, there was an article uh, just uh, about a week or two ago that a guy wrote, and he posted a video with his article about how the new iPhone is water resistant, and he actually took his iPhone into the shower, and he held it up, and he shot a video with the water splashing on the iPhone screen, and he says, yep, you can take your iPhone in the shower, and here's what his article is about. You can't, it was about is you can, but please don't. And the reason is, it is the one last place that most of us have that we can be totally alone. I mean, it's the only place. And, and, and you know, when you don't get that, if you understand this about, about how, how, wow, an idea came to me in the shower, a, a solution came to me, the answer to something I was grappling with finally came to me. If you understand that, then you understand the other side of this, that when you don't have those time margins, then you can't be creative. Those, those thoughts will never come to you. Now, here's a quote from John Coinius. He said, not having an explicit task is the main ingredient for random insights. God wants you to be creative. He created you to be creative. But if you've got tasks all the time, you're not going to be very creative. And, 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 and what you really need is you need, you need to, some time like that where you don't even have pen and paper. As he says, once you have a pen and paper there, it's not really your mind wandering. You want to carry that pen and paper or, or you know, your note, wherever you, your note app, you want to make sure it's available so you get a thought, you can write it down, and, and you're walking around like that. Now it's not your mind wandering. You're not being creative anymore. You, you're, you lose creativity when you don't have time margin. Okay, let's look at the rest of the list. I got a lot right here. Uh, you lose people. When you don't have time margin, you lose people. Because, you know, they called you and said, hey, help me move, and you went and helped them move. And then, or, I'm sorry, they called you and you said that, and you went and helped them move, and then it's time for you to move. So you call them and they don't have time for you. Then what do you feel like? They're not my friend. When you don't have time margin for people, you will lose people. You will lose family. You'll lose friends. Family will realize, well, I can't count on them. They're never going to be there for me. They can't drop because they don't have time margin. And some, most of us this day, in our culture today, we are running so fast, running so much, running so many different places. We don't have time to say yes. We don't, I mean, just, just asking somebody, will you come to, can I buy your dinner? We don't even have time to text back and say, yes. So, well, wait a minute, let me think about it. I might get a better offer or, you know, I've got a lot of other things going on. We don't even have time for that. You're going to lose people. If you do not find some time, and, and you know what? My generation began to understand that. 
because the generations before us, the men worked so hard that they were, a lot of times, even though they were in the home, they weren't in the home much, and so there wasn't a lot of connection. And, and we began grappling with this, but, but we've lost it again because, no long, but now, because today we're not working like the, you know, my generation, it's not that we're working too much to connect with our kids. My generation, uh, we're not working too, but we're playing too much to be connected with our kids and grandkids. If you don't find some time margin, you're going to lose people. You're going to lose opportunity to serve. And that's what God called us to do. Because you can't say yes when somebody asks. You got too much to do. I'm too busy. If you, if you, have, if you find yourself saying that over and over, if you find yourself dodging, then you don't have enough time margin. And God called us to be there for one another. If you can't just say, yes, I want to be there, I'm, I, I'm connected, I am, because you're going to also lose connection. I know I jumped over one, we'll get back to it. You're going to lose connection. And God gave you these people around you. Just a little bit ago, when Jamie was talking about that, that um, uh, the, the uh, devotion that we're sending out, you know, the, that we're going through right now, I hope you're getting them. If you're not, please sign up, get them. So you're going with the church here. That first steps devotion, and then she threw in that Christine Kane quote. She said these things, you know, stop feeding your worry and start feeding your faith. Man, that, that, was, that was inspiring, wasn't it? And you know what? That's great. You get an inspiration for an hour and 15 minutes. But when you don't have any time margin, you don't have other time, like you don't have time to really connect with your church and be there or to be at small group or to be at an event or whatever. When you are in these things, you have the opportunity to connect with people who can inspire you because God has inspired this one and this one and this one and this one. And then we all share this now, man, how inspired all of us are. You lose connection and you lose your harvest. Now, last week I shared scripture with you about that, that um, uh, parable that Jesus told about the sower and the soil. And he talked about those that have distractions because of distractions of life, there was no harvest. You know, about three years ago, I planted three blueberry bushes in my backyard. Um, and I planted mature ones because I wanted blueberries in a hurry. You know, so I planted these. And, so, and I was told by the guy I bought them from, he said, now the fir first year, he said, don't let it grow any blueberries. He said, put it in the ground. And he said, you pinch off every blueberry that comes. He said, because... Your blueberry bushes need to focus on making roots that first year. There's a sermon right there that I don't have, to, I don't have time to preach, okay? But he told me that. He said, you know what? I was diligent. I was out there. I was pinching. I had a little bitty old bud of a blueberry come up. I mean, it was green as green and hard. And I pinched that thing off. I said, nope, we're, we're focusing on roots this year. I was diligent. I pinched every one of them off. I threw them away as much as I wanted a blueberry pie. I was pinching them off and throwing them away, right? The next year, last year, the next year I went out there and every two or three days, you don't get blueberries really every day, you know, but about every two or three days I'd go out and there would be a handful or so that I could pick off of my blueberry bushes. I'd put them in Ziploc bags, take them, we'd put them in the freezer until we had enough to make, you know, and I, I, I don't have a lot. Y'all don't all run to my house for blueberry pie today, okay, because I didn't get that much, but three or four pies or something like that maybe, you know, and, and some other things that we did with the blueberries because I only got three bushes, but I was out there every two or three days I was picking those and this year came. And this year, I've been too distracted to get out there every two or three days. I've had too many other things going on. And so I'd get out there about once a week or maybe once every 10 days. And you know what I'd find? I found my harvest on the ground or wilted and dried up, still on the vine, on the bush. Why? Because of my distractions. If you don't have time margin, you're going to lose your harvest. I'm talking about your blessings.
I'm talking about the things you need and you want for your family. I'm talking about even the promises that God has made for you. If you don't have time margin, you're going to run right past what God is trying to tell you to do to make this thing happen in your life. You have to have some time margin. You're going to lose opportunity for connection, introspection, repentance. We don't even have time to stop. I got a quote for you on that one. So we'll, we'll, we'll come, I'll jump over that one real quick. And you, you don't have time for personal worship and communication with God. I think it's uh, John chapter 11. Uh, the scripture's actually on the Sunday's page. You can look at it later. But Jesus had these three friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They were a brother and two sisters. And he, he'd go to their house. They would take care of him. He comes to their house one day. He's sitting down and he's talking. And Mary, she's just like, oh, just eating it up. She's just sitting there just taking it all in. Now Martha, she's in the kitchen. She's fixing dinner. And Martha comes in. She says, hey, Jesus, do you say that I'm, I'm busy and, and, and Mary's just sitting here doing nothing? Would you tell her to get up here and help me? And Jesus said, Martha, you are cumbered about or you're worried about a whole lot of things, but Mary has chosen the thing that's most important. Martha is a lot like us. I, I, maybe not you, but we'll see if, we get an, if I get an amen right here. She's a lot like me, that a lot of times I have been so busy getting ready for something that I missed the something when it got there. You can quote me on that. Martha was so busy getting ready for Jesus and the presence of God that she missed. She missed when he was right there. You need some time margin where God can get in. Okay, let's go to that quote then right now. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name, Stephen something. If I fill every spare moment with a constant buzz of social media and podcasts and Netflix, it doesn't leave much space for the Holy Spirit to speak to me. It doesn't give me any time to ponder, to reflect, to prayerfully consider my life. You know what, most of, we're on a path, most of us, and we're running so fast, we don't even have time to slow down and say, is this a good path? To look and say, where am I gonna be five years from now? How long has it been since you really had that conversation with yourself? Well, I don't have time to talk about that. What are you doing then? You're just running down the path that you've been on because you don't have time to even stop and say, is this a good future that I'm headed toward? So that you can, you can ponder, you can, uh, on that previous slide there, that you can ponder, that you can reflect, that you can have some introspection and maybe some repentance. That doesn't mean just saying I'm sorry. It means change direction, say, I, I, I don't like where this is going and I move over this way. Here is why. Here is why Satan does not want you to have any time margin. It's because he doesn't want you to have time for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If you're headed down uh, an okay path but not a great path, Satan wants you to stay on that path instead of getting on the great path that God has for you. And, and if you get some time margin where you can stop and you can reflect and you can say, God, what is it that I really need to be doing? If you get that time margin like that, then you're going to be able to turn and, and go the right direction, something that's even better than anything you could have imagined. But Satan wants you running so fast that you're not thinking about all that. He wants you running from daylight to dark. He wants you running Sunday to Sunday. He wants you running without any, any hesitation of, of what's right, what's best, or any of those things. And, and if you maybe begin to venture, you know, Satan wants to throw a, an obstacle in your way here so you'll stay on the path he wants you to be on. That's what he wants you to do. That's why God wants you to have time margin so he can speak to you. And so your life can be what it's supposed to be. Uh, these, I've got three more of these, but they won't be near as long. With, so without, secondly, without... Uh, Financial margin. Without financial margin, you're going to lose generosity. You know, if you don't even have a hundred bucks to buy a new tire tomorrow, then probably this morning if I said, one of our families had a fire last night, they lost everything, we need to take up an offering for them. 
you wouldn't be able to give toward that, would you? You can't even look to see if there's somebody else in need because all you can focus on is, man, I got so many problems, so many things I got to pay for this week and I don't have the money for it. Dave Ramsey said, if you will live like no one else right now, later you can live and give like no one else. That should be the desire of every Christian. Listen, some of you have never even thought about this. You're always waiting for somebody to help you out of a situation, or you're always waiting for a, you know, a gift or an offering or something like that, or you're always waiting for a raise. i got to have more, i got to have more. And you never realize what God wants to do. God wants to set you free from all of that. He wants to make you not a recipient of, of man's stuff. He wants to make you a recipient of his stuff so you can begin to be the giver that also reaches down and helps somebody else up out of, out of the problem that they're in. And some of you, that's so foreign to you, you never, you can't imagine. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to become the giver, every one of us. But as long as we are living without any financial margin, we will never be able to bless. We won't have the opportunity. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't have an extra 10 bucks, so we can't bless. If God speaks to you and tells you to buy somebody's lunch this afternoon, if you don't have any financial margin, how are you going to buy somebody else's lunch? I guess you could fast and give them the money for theirs, Right? But that's not really, God, God wants you to have margin. Let me, let me go on. Uh, uh, personal space, right? Is that the next one? Just two things right here. When you don't have personal space, I'm talking about personal margin. When you don't have personal space, you lose yourself. Have you ever hung around somebody so long that you began saying things they say, like quoting some of the quotes, you know, some of their little phrases they use, you started doing that? You know what I'm talking about? The more you hang around somebody, the more you become like them. Meaning, the more you hang around people, the less you become like yourself. If you don't have personal space, then you are going to never be able to be yourself. And, and some of you think you are the life of the party, right? Go ahead and nudge the person next to you that thinks they're the life of the party. You think you're the life of the party, but let me tell you something. If you don't have some personal space to blow off steam every once in a while and to write yourself and to keep, if you think you're the life of the party 24-7, no, you aren't. If you keep running like that, you're, not going to be, you're going to lose your likability. You may have been the life of the party, but if you don't have any personal space margin, you are not going to be the life of the party long. And, and the last one is right, I think it was the last one. What's next? Um, next slide. Without moral margin, you lose perspective. When you don't have moral margin, you know, when, when, when you're toying with temptation or you're, 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 not, you're not paying attention to the stuff going around or the stuff you're allowing in, when you're feeding worry or other things instead of feeding your faith in God, when all that stuff is happening, you know, the more you do that, the more perspective you lose. And right will become wrong, and wrong will become right. Because somebody will tell you that, and you say, well, that sounds good. You've done that, haven't you? And then hopefully somewhere later when you had time to stop, God said, now wait a minute, Let, let's talk about that thing you heard, and you said that sounds good. Yeah, it sounded good, but it ain't. And you don't get, you've got to have some moral margin. If you don't, you're going to lose perspective and you'll lose your reputation. uh, I don't, I I need to, I need to hurry here, but let let me say, say this without moral margin, you lose your reputation. Here's the thing. I've been, you ever been accused of something and you had to defend yourself? Let me tell you what happens when you have moral margin. When I don't go there because this is my margin, you know, that that's, that's wrong. And so here's my margin. When I don't go there and somebody accuses me of something, I don't, I don't always have to defend myself. I got people defending me. You know, they saying, mm, no, I don't think so. He doesn't even go anywhere near that kind of thing. He's not, no, 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 that's not him. He's not anything like that. Let me tell you something. One of the worst things you can do to get my, my wife's dander up 
is to accuse me of something she knows I didn't do. Because now all of a sudden you're getting into her house. You know what? And, and she, is, she is my number one defender. I've had people accuse me of stuff that she picked up the phone and she said, now, now tell me when he did so-and-so and so-and-so and where he was. Nope, he was with me. Tell me this and this and this. And she, what, you know why she could defend me? Because I don't go there. My kids know I don't go there. People around me know I don't go there. When you have, when you have moral margin, then people say, he ain't nowhere near that kind of stuff. There ain't no way he was involved in that. And you don't have to, other people will defend your reputation when you have moral margin. Uh, when you don't, don't have moral margin, the plan for great relationships, for financial integrity, stability, there are plans for every part of your life. And when you don't have moral margin, you start losing them. Let me give you this one real quick. If you're in the service industry or you own your own business, you cut hair, you know, or you own your own business or whatever, one of the best advertising you can have if you own your own business or you're in a service industry is word of mouth, you know? And here, here, here's, here's the secret. I'm gonna give you a secret, some of you, okay? Some of you are trying to make it and you ain't making it. Let me tell you, here's the secret. Is you do what you're asked to do and a little bit more. Why? Because when you do a little bit more, then nobody ever accuses you of, they didn't do everything I asked them to do. And, and then you don't charge them more than is fair. Because then when you do that, nobody can ever accuse you of being cheap. Here's what you've just done, is you have put margin between your business and cheating. And so now when somebody says on Facebook, they say, can you recommend a good whatever it is? What, are people, what are you looking for? You're looking for somebody to say they will do a good job and they'll do it better than you thought they'll do it and they won't charge you an arm and a leg. When you have moral margin in your bit, when, you, when you don't have it, you're going to lose that. When you have it, you will have that. You're going to lose his plan. And he's got a plan for every part of your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says he has a plan for you for a future and a hope. You know, and, as long, and when you don't have margin, you're killing all of his plans. You're going to lose his plan. Uh, last thing, what, what, what's my next slide? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying so fast. I'm trying to remember what my slide. Oh, the sinkhole phenomenon. I ain't got time to talk about that. Uh, go to the Sunday's page. Next slide, don't have time to talk about this. I, knew, I, I was cutting this next slide out of my sermon because I didn't have time for it. But I thought I wanted, I wanted to whet your appetite just a little bit for this because I'm hoping you'll go to the Sunday's page and you will see and you'll follow these scriptures that we are a culture without limits. We want more of everything. But the only thing that is good for us without limits is God. Everything else, there should be a limit to. Okay, you, you need to go to the Sunday's page. You need to read that, okay? So, so let, me, let me hurry right here. So, so what, 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 how do I create margin, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. That's what I'm headed to in all of this real quick, okay? How do I create margin? Here's my dares. The rest of this now is my dares. I dare you to be self-disciplined and to delete some things. Delete, you need to delete some apps. And if you don't know which apps to delete, find somebody who is close to you, a good friend or a family member, hand them your phone for 15 minutes and walk away and just tell them, delete, delete some apps for me. They'll delete the right ones because they know the ones that you're playing when they're trying to get a word to you and you won't, you won't respond. They know the ones that you are involved in when they're trying to talk to you across the breakfast table and you're too busy. They know the right ones. And if you don't, here's a dare for every one of you. Do a, technolo a technology fast. Uh, you, you know what fasting is? It's like doing without something for a while. Most people, we, we know about food fast. This culture that we're growing up in, we need to do a technology fast every once in a while. 
Every month you need to do a few days without technology just to see how much it is stealing from your life. Because, you know, when you're doing all these little things and playing all these games and all this other stuff, and I've got them on my phone, okay, but I don't play them very often and I've got a few just, and you know, I need to get rid of those, those last few that I've got, okay? So listen, I'm preaching to the choir here a little bit myself, but when you're doing all those things, let me tell you something. When you do that, you are losing all that time. You can make more money and you can make more friends, but the one thing you can never make any more of is time. You have this much, and when you lose that much, it's gone and it's gone forever. Do a tech, I dare you to do a technology fast. This week, I dare you. You know, if you've got to have email for work, okay, you can't get rid of it, but do everything you can. Take, take a week, take a week, do a technology fast this week and see how much time technology is robbing from you. Um, uh, delete some places. Hey, listen, alcoholics that don't want to get drunk, they stay away from bars. You might need to delete some places in your life. Delete some freedoms. You know, we'd say, well, well, I'm free. Yes, but Scripture says don't use your freedom for an excuse to do some other stuff. You know, like, if, you know, people who are battling porn addictions, and I'm not talking about people who are giving in, but people who are battling and say, I don't want this anymore, they have filters on their cell phones and their computers. We all need to have those in this culture in this day. And so we and say, well, but that takes away some of my freedom. There's some freedoms that you don't need, you know, and we need to go ahead and be there. Let's go on. So I dare you, I dare you to build margin into your calendar. Uh, review your calendar, delete some stuff. Some, some of you need to start saying no to some good things so you can say yes to best things. I mean, some of you don't ever get to the best stuff because you're always tied up with good stuff. It's good stuff. Now, some of it's not bad things. It's just you're doing good and there's something best over here that you're missing, you know, and, to some, and, and some of you, you say no to everything except yourself. You need to start saying no to yourself, your selflessness. Uh, it's, you need to schedule time with God, including listening. Don't say, well, I need five minutes so I can read some scripture and say a prayer real quick. Nope. You need, you need to schedule some time that you can say, if you need to get up before everybody else gets up, do it. Or stay up after everybody else has gone to bed, do it. Schedule some time that I can read, I can pray, and I can say, now speak, Lord. And listen to what he's saying. And schedule some downtime for insight and creativity. Let me tell you something. Sleep is a need, okay? Sleep is not downtime. You need sleep. So I'm talking about downtime in addition to sleep, okay? So meaning that you need to take a glass of iced tea and go sit on the deck every once in a while. Don't take your iPhone. Don't take a notepad. Don't take a book. Don't take anybody. And you just need to get wherever your place is, Go there, okay? Now listen, I gotta say this, okay? If all heck is breaking loose and the four kids are running rampant and your spouse needs your help, you do not have the pastor's permission to get a glass of iced tea and go out on the deck, okay? But you need to schedule some time to go and to just be and to just sit. Because remember, if you take a notepad out or you take your, your, your iPhone out or your smartphone so you can make some notes, all of it's not about that anymore. You need to schedule some real downtime. Uh, what's what's my, my next one? Schedule, uh, schedule some margin into your budget. Review last month's expenses. Say no to yourself. You're going to need to, some, if you don't have a hundred bucks to buy a tire tomorrow, if you have a flat, then you need to say, start saying no to yourself. Look over your budget and I got to start scratching off. I got to say no to myself. There are some of you, you've got, to, you've got to understand the difference in needs and wants. If you've got holes in your socks today that you're wearing, this is the best pair, you, go buy you some socks today, okay? I'm not talking about needs, I'm talking about wants. And there are, it is a good thing for us to not have everything we want. Oh, you didn't hear me. It is a good thing for us to not have everything we want. And it is a good thing for your kids 
to see you not have everything you want. You thought I was going somewhere else with that, didn't you? Your kids, you know, if you want your kids to understand the difference in needs and wants, you're not going to teach it to them by beating it into them. You're going to teach it to them by modeling them, modeling it. And if you've always got to have everything you want, they're going to grow up and got to have everything they want. The only way to teach them is to model that for them. Say no to yourself. Uh, create, this is the last one. Okay, we're, we're, we're wrapping up right here. Set some personal parameters on media consumption. You may have heard me say I don't watch R-rated movies. That's my line. Okay, that doesn't mean I watch all PG-13s either. There have been some PG-13s I started, and I had to, uh-uh, that ain't it. Had to back out of that one, too. But, but R's my line. You need to set some lines like that with, with media. Uh, you always speak truth. You know what? You can use half-truths and deceive someone. And if you are a person who uses half-truths to deceive someone, eventually you're going to be accused of lying, and everybody's going to believe because you have always deceived them, even though you use the truth to do it. You know, you're, you're messing with your reputation there. Uh, set parameters to protect your reputation. Let me tell you this one, I got this one story. I just, I just need to tell you, it'll, it'll hammer this and we'll be done here, okay? The coldest, I told somebody this the other day, the coldest I've ever been in my life is in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, when we were serving as uh, youth and Christian education directors for the Great Lakes region. It was in the middle of winter. Uh, I went up and um, we, we were in Green Bay and most of the churches there are small, so we were having a dinner with the pastors. We were encouraging them. We were pouring into them. We were teaching and training them and speaking some things into them. We stayed, they stayed and talked and talked and talked. And now in Green Bay, let me tell you this, you do that inside before you go outside because when you get outside, everybody's headed to the door in the middle of the winter in Green Bay, okay? So we were still standing. So we stayed there until they were, they were locking the doors and we had to leave. But once we got outside, everybody's headed to their car real quick. But you know me, I'm still walking kind of slow because I'm, just like I am here, I think I got to stay and turn off the parking lots, you know, parking lot lights, you know, but I think, I think that's who I am. So, so I'm kind of the slowest one. I get, I get to my car and I crank it up, you know, and want to get that heat rolling, you know, because I'm freezing from that little walk, you know, from there to there. And, and then I noticed one of the pastors, a, a lady, a, a female pastor from one of our little small churches there, she's standing outside her car. So I jump out, say, is there a problem? I can't remember her, 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 lock was frozen. I can't remember if it was just frozen or if she broke her key off. I think she broke her key off in the lock because it was frozen. She'd already called her, her husband and he was on his way with another key. They were going to try to get it open. And, and so I said, why don't we sit in my warm car, you know, until he gets here? And you know, this is the way it used to be when, when I was first in ministry is we were taught, you know, don't ever be in a place with a person of the opposite sex alone. Now, and so she said, she declined to go sit with me in my car, you know, and, and be warm. Because, now, here, you know, she, she's saying because somebody could drive by and they don't, you know, they don't know. She, wasn't, she didn't have to say all that. I knew what she mean, meant when she was declining. And I'm like, you know, my thoughts are, you know, but please, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. We don't deal with this cold as well. And I'm, you know, and I'm living three hours, I mean, I would live outside of Chicago, and, and so we were three hours north of where I was. Nobody here knows me. I was willing to risk a little bit of reputation there to sit in the warm car, you know, so, you know and I tried, but she, she wouldn't have, and she was like, no, go, you go ahead and sit in your car. I'm trying to be the gentleman I was, I had to stand there what seemed like hours, and it probably was only about 10 minutes, but I stood there until she set that print. Why? Because when she's accused of something, People say, uh-uh, she is never alone with a man except her husband. Set some personal moral parameters. And lastly, be honest with yourself about what your great, greatest temptation is. You know it, don't you? 
be honest with yourself and set some parameters. So back away from that, whatever that is that, 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 that is the biggest thing. You're going to fall in something I'm not going to fall in. I'm going to fall in something you can't fall in. Step away from that side. Build some parameters in. I dare you. Some of you are learning some stuff today. You've never, some of you, I, I, I think probably everybody here has heard something they've never heard today before. Now that you've heard it, I dare you to just do it. Would you join me at the front, please, if you don't mind? Uh, if you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. We'd love to have you join us if you're comfortable. Service went, well, closing of my message was an hour and 15 minutes in the first one. I was trying to, well, not an hour and 15 minutes of sermon, but, but of the whole service, I was trying to sh shave some off that, but there's too much to share today, and thank you for staying with me. I believe... I believe at least 99.9% .9 of you heard something you needed to hear today. So here's, 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 what, I want, here's what I want to say, is we want to pray. We want to pray rest over you today. I wish I could just talk another 15 minutes about how we want to pray over you today. Prayer team is ready to pray with you. And, and if I didn't mention what you're, you got a need that has nothing to do with anything I preach about, please let us pray with you today. But if, if you, you're, you're battling some things or you're, you just, you need some rest God wants you to have rest. God wants you to have peace. God wants you to have, man, do it. Mark, delete some, some apps, some games. You know, mark off, schedule some time. Experience some solitude and some renewal. God wants that for your life. Let me, let me share this real, real quick, this scripture right here, okay? This is, the, this is Saul. He was known as Saul before he became an apostle, and his name was Paul. And so he was writing to the church at Galatia. He begins this, begins this letter, and, and you know, the first chapter, 13 verses down, he's still, he's still just easing into the letter that he's writing, you know. And, uh, and, and so he's talking about his days when he was Saul. And he says, for news has come to you, or he says, you've heard how I used to act back when I was a Pharisee, and I worshiped in the Jewish faith. For news has come to you of my way of life in the past in the Jews' religion, how I was cruel without measure to the church of God, that's little c, that's not the denomination, you know, that's all of us, church of God, and did great damage to it. I was cruel without measure. What was he saying? He said, I re and if you know the story, I mean, this sums up who he was before he knew Jesus. I was running from daylight to dark without measure. I was as cruel as I could be. I did everything I could. I was running hard. I was on a path. You know what? When, 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 God, when God finally got his, you know how God finally got his attention? Knocked him off of his donkey, put him on the ground, made him blind. If he couldn't see for three days, and now God says, I have your attention, huh? He had to hit a wall. And that's what happens to us, too. We keep running and running and running until we hit a wall. And we hit the wall, boom. And some of you are about this far away from a wall, aren't you? You're really close. You're about to hit another wall. When you hit the wall, boom, it's like, I just lose everything. And what do we do? We gather everything up real quick, and we take off running again. Back, we gotta get running fast again because somebody's gonna beat me, somebody's gonna get this, whatever, and we, we feel like that's what we gotta do, that's what this culture says, we gotta run, we gotta run, we gotta run. We pick it all back up. Have you ever thought, have you ever stopped to think though, maybe you were just having a Saul-type experience? That God orchestrated that wall for you to hit so that all the stuff that doesn't matter would just fall out of your hands. The stuff that you've been worried about, the stuff that has just, just pressed you down, that stuff just falls out of your hands. So 
If, you, if, if you're not reaching out for some rest today, the next time you hit that wall, don't reach down and pick up all that stuff. Step back. Say, God, show me what you want to show me. Let me pick up what I need to pick up. Let me leave the good stuff down. Let me pick up the best. Let me definitely leave the bad. Let me leave the good and let me pick up the best. God, God wants you to have rest. Would you bow with me today and let me pray rest over you? And, and, and if you can't, we would love to pray with you today over your needs. Jamie, go ahead when you can because it's...